Chapel Roswell. Where have you been this week? Where are you right now? Where are you going? Remember, the month of June is Chapel Roswell check-in. We want to know where you are, so right now, go ahead. If you're in the pews, get your phones out. It's okay, get your phones out. And check into social media so people know where you are. If you are watching us online, go ahead and you check in. We want you to do that by just taking a selfie. Just take a good selfie of yourself, email it to us, and let us know where you are in the world worshiping with us. If you plan on any vacations, we want you to take your Chapel Roswell gear with you, or we want you to stop in a connection center and get a Chapel Roswell check-in sheet. We want you to take it, and wherever you go, take a selfie. Or introduce yourself to a stranger and let them take your picture and email it so that no matter where we are, we can worship together. Your pictures are going to be a part of our worship video. So just send them to check in at chapelroswell.com. My name is Marian Brown. I'm one of the pastors here. And as you can see from our video, I checked in this week from the New Orleans airport. I took a quick trip home to see my uncle in Franklinton, Louisiana. Franklinton is where both of my parents grew up. It's where both sets of my grandparents lived. And it was home of all sorts of cousins and aunts and uncles. And it's still one of my favorite places to be. While I was in Franklinton, I was driving around and stopped into one of the local grocery stores, Jack Brown's. As I walked up and down the aisles, I realized that people in Louisiana, we speak a different language. <laughs> I'm not really talking about the Cajun French a lot of people associate. I'm talking about something else. People in Louisiana, we just talk differently. We say things to each other that probably we're the only ones that understand. We say things like Washington Parish. <laughs> Wherever you're from is no different. You have to be from your hometown to speak that language because people in your hometown, they all have a common set of people and places and news and things. Your hometown is no different. You all know the language there. While I was in Franklinton, I drove around a little bit, and I actually passed my grandmother's church. It has a name, Centenary United Methodist. I did not go in, though, because in my mind, I need that church to look exactly like I left it. It needs to have the same carpet, the same smell, the same color, the same organ, and the same furniture in the parlor. Because in that church, I have so many memories. I have memories of a lot of Sunday worship. I have memories of Christmases and of Easter's and of baptisms. I have memories of weddings. And I even have many memories of funerals. That church is a place of comfort for me. What's your vision of church? What's your home church look like? I'm asking you that because today is the day we think of church. 
Today is Pentecost. It's the birth of the church. You know about Pentecost because we've been leading up to it. When the tomb was empty on Easter morning, we spent about 40 days living with Jesus, appearing to the disciples. Then last week, we remembered when Jesus ascended into heaven on Ascension Sunday. And here we are, 50 days after the tomb is empty, 50 days, Pentecost. When we remember the flood of the wind of the Holy Spirit who filled that place and made church. Today is a celebration of the first day of church. Hear me say, I know that my experience of church is not like everyone else's. For centuries, centuries, Churches have been a place of pain, a place of harm, a place of disappointment, a place of exclusion, and a place of destruction. There are books written, blogs posted, and articles read every day about why church is outdated, irrelevant, hypocritical, and why you should never have to go. I admit to all those things. And I do not dismiss any of it. Nor do I dismiss anyone's experience of it. I simply represent that church can be that. But church can also hold so much more than we give it credit for. There's a man, he attended a church kind of like my grandmother's, and he thought he had church figured out. He'd walk around and he'd say, another name, another pledge. That's all you care about, another name, another pledge. Preacher used to visit the family because that's what preachers did in this town. They would make family visits, and he would sit down and say, sir, how are you doing? And this man would say, oh, you don't care about me. Another name, another pledge, another name, another pledge. I know about church. Well, that church had a revival. The wife wanted to go to the revival, so she made him go with her. The regular preacher introduced this man to the evangelical revival preacher. And he pointed at him. And the preacher pointed and said, sick him, sick him, sick him, sick him. That one right there, you go get that one. That man just shook his head. You don't care about me. Another name, another pledge, another name, another pledge. And this went on for years. Well, sure enough, years later, his wife got sick. And the son went back home to check on her. And he walked in the house, and all he saw were flowers and potted plants everywhere. If there was a place to stick it, there was a potted plant on it. On the coffee table, there were a stack of greeting cards about 10 inches high. The son walked on into the kitchen, 
And on that kitchen counter, there was a mound of baked goods. <laughs> then the son opened the refrigerator. And sure enough, there was every single casserole you could ever imagine. The son decided to look a little further. And he realized on every blossom, on every envelope, on every piece of saran wrap, and on every Pyrex dish, there was a note from somebody from a Sunday school class, a women's circle, a youth group, or a men's Bible study. And right there in the living room was the dad sitting on a couch. And he looked at his son and he said, In this harsh world, draw your last breath to tell my story. What's your story, Dad? I was wrong. In divinity school, I decided that I needed to learn Hebrew. I wanted to be able to read the Old Testament. Well, it took me a little too long, and I was running out of time because of all my other classes, and so I decided that I was going to audit Hebrew my very last semester of graduate school. A little advice, don't ever audit anything that hard your last semester of anything. Because it didn't take. Years later, I saw one of my divinity professors that had encouraged me to take this ancient language because she wanted me and I wanted to go back for further study and I couldn't do it without this language. And at the time I saw my professor, I happened to be expecting our first child. And so she saw me, and she kind of looked at me like, you know one of those looks like, let me make sure she's pregnant before I say anything? Kind of looked at me, making sure. Okay. My professor said, oh, Marion, this is fantastic. Now that you're pregnant, you can learn Hebrew. I'm like, I don't I don't get the, what? I don't get that. She said, now, every time you wake up with your baby, you just get out those flashcards, and it's the perfect time to learn Hebrew. Well, that didn't take for me either. <laughs> but a few days ago, some of our neighborhood children, they were all in my backyard, and they were all playing. And all of us moms, we were just visiting in the backyard while the children were playing. All of a sudden, I hear a five-year-old. Ima! 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 I looked at my friend. She's from Israel. She and her four children speak fluent Hebrew and English. I looked straight at my friend and I said, let me guess. Ima means mom in Hebrew. She looked astounded. She's like, how in the world did you know that? Yes, you're right. How did you know? And I said, because I hear that word every single day in my house. Mom, 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 mom. I knew what that child was saying just by her tone, her inflection, and her intention. I 
didn't learn a language from flashcards. I learned it hanging out with my friends in the backyard. There was a woman. She lived in the emergency shelter where I worked, the Domestic Violence and Sexual Assault Center where I was. Let's call her Rachel. Rachel had lived there for about six weeks. I went into work one time and she was missing. Nobody could find her. We were looking everywhere. Finally, her roommate confessed what she was doing. Rachel had heard that the man who hurt her had hurt another woman. And she had decided it was enough. So what she did was she decided to call a few of her friends and organize a silent little sit-in. The plan was to sit in this man's yard one hour for every person he hurt. That was five hours. They get to the yard and they sit down. And you can imagine this guy got mad. And he came out and he started screaming. And every time the man would start to scream, Rachel would start to sing a hymn. A hymn from her grandmother's church. This continued, and it got a bit louder. And as you can imagine, it got a little chaotic. And it got the attention of the neighbors. Sure enough, one of the neighbors poked his head out of the window. And then the same neighbor walked right outside of his door. Well, that neighbor happened to be Rachel's preacher. He walked right over to Rachel, looked straight at her, put his hands on his hips and said, what are you doing? So she explained what she was doing. He said, you know that this is a prominent man in our community and in our church, and you need to get up and you need to leave now. Rachel took her, her eyes off her preacher, put him straight on that house and sang as loud as she could. Finally, the man decided to call the police, and there was only one person he really was upset with, Rachel. To be fair, Rachel had a few other legal issues. She had to spend a little extra time in jail. Funny thing happened, though, while she was there, the protest never ended. It got bigger. Because people in this small town heard what was happening. And all of a sudden, people from the community and people from the neighborhood and people from the church, they joined the protest. And they got smarter and stronger and louder. And they moved from personal property to public property. And the police had decided they were just not going to do much about it at that moment. <laughs> Rachel got out of jail, and she came back to shelter, and I went to go check on her. I knocked on her door, and her roommate answered. I saw her and went, let me guess. Rachel had gone right back to the protest 
and she had taken her same seat on the ground. And she began to sing, and when she did, guess what? The neighbor came back out. The preacher popped his head out, walked right out of the door, and walked right over to Rachel and bent down and put those hands on his hips, and he shook his head, and he sat right down next to her. He grabbed her hand. He started to sing his own hymn just as loud as she did. Friends, I offer you these three vignettes to tell you what church should be. Church should be a place of support. Church should be a place to be understood. And church should be a place where we can sit down together. I don't know what your vision of church looks like. It could look like your grandmother's church. It could look like children playing in the backyard, or it could look like joining a cause on the very front line. But I know that there is a place where we can still go and bask in God's love, receive God's grace, and be a member of a community of faith. And it has a name. And that name is Life and Faith in Chapel Roswell. And this is what I know to be true about church. That church happens, Pentecost happens, every single time a group of people rally together as a community under the one same Holy Spirit, all to proclaim the same exact truth. That all people are made in the image of God. And when we go to church and expect that, we will feel a mighty rush of wind that fills this entire place. Acts 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like a rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and the tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Amen. Part of being a community of faith is responding to all that God has done for us. And so one of the ways we invite you to respond is through giving of your offering. There are multiple ways that you can do this. You can look on the screen to see. You can use your phone again to give, or you can also make your way to one of the baskets that are found in the doors. But we, this is a way for us to support the work and the ministry and the mission and the service of Chapel Roswell. So we invite you to be a part of it. 
Another way that we want to invite you to respond is we invite you to sit down with one another and to be church together. We have in these baskets a wooden nickel. We are opening up a coffee house on campus in just a few weeks will be the big grand opening. And we know that there is someone in your life that you disagree with. <laughs> Maybe not, I don't know. Maybe, okay. We also know there might be someone in your life that you just need to spend more time with or you even could be in conflict with. And this is a way for you to be church with that person. We invite you to come and take two nickels and be in prayer for who you need to invite. And whenever that coffee house opens, you take your nickels and that person over and you have a cup of coffee on us and just simply have a conversation. So remember, um, this is a way for us to be church outside these walls as well. Before now, our moment of responses, let us go to God with a word of prayer. Gracious and holy Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to be together as your people of faith. Continue to pour your spirit on us that we may grow together and we may serve together, and we may know the direction that you would have for us individually and as Chapel Roswell. On this particular day, Lord, we pray that all of our mission trip families make it home safely. We pray for families to be reunited. We also remember this week those in our military families as there is quite a celebration and memory of D-Day. We continue to hold in our prayers all of those families that are serving and we are grateful. We also hold in our hearts our universal church and all of the manifestations and denominations of it. May you continue to be with all leaders, all pastors, and all lay people. May you continue to call us to serve you in ministry. We ask now that you take what we give and may you make it good. And may you make it abundant so your people, your neighbors can be served. Amen. Will you now come and give and receive.